The coronavirus pandemic is not a single nation's concern. It's a global crisis, and no one is immune to its effects. The last number of months have seen news headlines dominated by COVID-19 reports. The way we interact, live, and function as social beings is being challenged from every side. Normal life is a statement that has forever had its meaning changed in just a few short months, and business has felt the effects of that change. I'm joined by our founder and CEO, Jig Yasa. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. What do you think a post-COVID world will look like? Hi, Brad. Good to be here. Before we go to your question, I want to take a minute to acknowledge the deep human pain and suffering we've witnessed over the last few months. It's been the worst human crisis of our times. People have lost their loved ones, their jobs, their businesses. Um, so it is my utmost wish that we see the back of this virus quickly and return to a sense of normality. Now let's go back to your question about what will a post-COVID world look like? The short answer is no one knows. It is hard to predict as there isn't enough data yet that can help us comprehensively understand the full impact. Our efforts to curb and control the virus are still evolving and there are very few best practices and not enough scientific data. Um, countries that reopened saw a spike in cases and had to scale back because we know that the infection rate of this virus is really high, so small numbers of cases can turn into big numbers really, really quickly. So when I think about the post-pandemic world, I believe that it will require our collective creativity and imaginations to create one. I also believe that it will arrive in stages, as is evident, and it will look very different. That said, we're getting clarity on inefficiencies within our systems. These are some of the things that are becoming clear to us. The virus has exposed foundational vulnerabilities in many societies and businesses. So at this time, we can start to create uh, a list of quote-unquote things that can work better and think about how to plug those holes. In my view, it'll translate to substantial strategic resets intended to create certain outcomes or groups of outcomes. But as horrific as this tragedy is and as, and as daunting as the task ahead of us is, I believe that we can emerge stronger, but it's not inevitable. We'll be required to use our collective ingenuity and innovate our way out of it to create a new normal. Jigyasa, what in your opinion is the best way to think about the next steps? I think absent substantial data, we'll have to think about this in terms of a general guiding philosophy and models and frameworks. And if this crisis has shown us anything, we will require an upgrade to those. So perhaps we can all agree that our collective aim in this moment is to preserve and grow value both social and economic, at all levels of human existence. But an existential crisis such as this one forces us to think about the bigger quote-unquote stuff in terms of the basic questions of survival. So whether 
you know, were a business of any size or a government of any nation or an individual for that matter, I suppose we can begin by asking ourselves what's working and what's not working and then start thinking about how to strengthen what's working and drop what's not. So, for example, thus far we've taken our chances with our planet. Scientists and researchers studying the virus believe it jumped hosts because of a loss of habitat caused by human activity, i.e. deforestation. What was an impossibility in a normal, stable ecosystem is now a norm. And from what they're telling us, we can expect these events to occur more frequently if we don't reevaluate our choices. On the other hand, we've also seen how quickly nature can heal itself, restore balance within, whether it is the clear blue skies in New Delhi or the canal in Venice or the air quality in L.A., It is pretty remarkable what nature can do to heal in quick time. What's become increasingly clear is that our withdrawals have been greater than our deposits, right? And so we're now required to think of new and upgraded frameworks and models that will create a balance. They will not only pull us out of this hole for the moment, but will also set us up with a strong foundation on which we can future-proof ourselves. So in other words, we have once in a generation shot at reshaping our cities, our communities, our businesses, our own personal lives even. And in order to do so successfully, we'll need our collective imaginations. What are the main lessons that we should be learning from this time? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a big one. The lessons are still evolving because at the minute we only have the pre-pandemic data. We're still gathering the during pandemic data because we're in, the, in that time frame right now. As countries, cities, communities start to reopen, uh, we will start to get uh, post-pandemic data. But we're still some ways away from that. China opened Wuhan and recently found a case they plan to test all 11 million residents, which could mean any number of things when the test results emerge. Right? It could mean that the extent to which they reopen must be scaled back. They might require to put in new measures in place to keep businesses open. Uh, restaurants may have to adapt new tactics, so would businesses. We'll know as time wears on, as more data becomes available. That is okay because a lot is still unknown about the virus and its impacts, right? Um, It has been a bit of a start-stop scenario overall where we find ourselves going two steps forward, one step back. Um, So I believe that lessons will evolve and expand with time. That said, few broad themes have emerged and I think those lessons can be useful for us as we think about creating new normal. The first of which is that we're interconnected. We've gotten really good at the use of global resources. We've built efficient supply chains drawing upon the best around the world to our advantage. But what we've not been excellent at is recognizing that we are interconnected at the root 
um, what impacts me impacts you and vice versa, no matter where we are in the world physically. And the virus has shown us that. And so that's an important lesson for us in this moment as we think about future-proofing ourselves. The second one is resilience. Our combined global resilience holds greater economic and social value than our individual resilience as nations, as businesses, or even as individuals for that matter. And this includes, of course, the security and safety of our shared planet. We've learned during this time that if we didn't already know, that is that um, we're only as strong as our weakest link. The third one is humility, to acknowledge to ourselves that we're part, a small part actually, of a larger whole. And also to acknowledge that there have been instances where we've been wrong. There are events that can quickly go out of control and bring us to our knees. And so for all our preparedness and all our advancements and capabilities, we find ourselves watching from the bleachers as the virus does its thing. It does not respect your company goals, your business organization goals, physical boundaries, or anything else we as a collective deem important at various levels, whether it's government, organizations, people. So approaching the future with a level of humility will help us manage similar events better. And if we wise up and choose a different course, we may even be able to prevent them from happening. Wow, you've just made some really, really powerful points. But what can we do to improve our odds against similar future events? I hate to keep doing this to you, but the story there too is still developing for the same reason that data is still coming available and we're learning more about not only the virus, but also how we create most efficient mechanisms and processes to fight it. Earlier in our conversation, we talked about our general philosophy, our frameworks and models. So what's become clear is that we will require an upgrade because the status quo has left us weak and vulnerable, which means that in order to create the new normal, we'll be required to innovate in all areas, think and rethink how and what we can do to future-proof ourselves. And so when I think about the new frameworks and new models, I think of them in terms of homeostasis. The human body is one of the most complex and sophisticated machines ever created. And among other mechanisms, it has a means to establish equilibrium during and after an unfavorable event, such as a disease or change in environment, etc. And so when I think about the post-COVID world, I think about in, in terms of frameworks of global economic, social, and environmental homeostasis. We'll be required to get smarter at correlating cause and effect, much like how we do in software, uh, which means that anytime there is a breakdown of normal production processes, we find the bug, we get to the root cause of it, and we fix it. In essence, it's a process of weeding out that which destabilizes the system in small or large ways. I think we'll have to do something similar in the global and local systems we operate in. 
we'll also be required to get excellent at balancing growing and protecting economic value with growing and protecting environmental and social value, something we touched upon earlier as well, right? And so when we think about it in terms of balance sheets, um, moving the latter two from the liability side to the asset side, um, if the virus has shown us anything, it has taught us that we should reconsider rolling the dice on the environment or social value to boost economic value. We'll be required to become excellent, excellent collaborators, not just within our organizations or within our nations, but globally. Further, I think collaborating and seeing ourselves uh, playing a stakeholder role in maintaining the well-being of the planet. So far, we've seen ourselves as a consumer taking what we want, but instead, moving forward, we have to think of ourselves as how can we ensure that the planet is safe and secure? Because let's face it, um, there will be no commas to be done or profits to be made if there is no habitat for you and I, or if there is no safe planet for us to live on. Jigyasa, any last thoughts before we go? We're in the middle of the worst human crisis of our generation. But I believe we've only unlocked a minuscule percentage of our collective human ingenuity thus far. And with deep affection and utmost humility, I say that our current systems, methods of governance, organizations, frameworks and models do not reflect our collective brilliance. In fact, on the contrary, they show us in this moment how much we've undervalued and underestimated our capabilities. So at a time when we're ridden with deep human grief and suffering, we can see a silver lining in that it is also a reminder of our collective potential and what we can achieve as one global team. We are so capable of using our brilliance to reach new heights of human achievement, to imagine and create a new normal with the knowing that we have the wisdom and the skills to build a balance between economic growth and environmental preservation, commercial success with growth in social value. We've always known that these equilibriums have been possible, but we've sold ourselves short. In many instances, we've taken shortcuts at the expense of our planet, at the expense of our people. But we no longer have to do that. This go around must be different because the challenge we confront is not like any other we faced in the past. But the strengths we carry with us are also unprecedented, which allow us to meet this moment with confidence and hope. A big thank you to our founder and CEO, Jagyasa. Thank you very much for your valuable insights. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. If you like us, hit subscribe. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care.